We are starting the show with a story about accessibility and transportation and the lack of options when it comes to people who might have issues with mobility. And this all started when we saw a tweet thread. Many people saw this tweet thread. It was on Twitter last night and it was put out by the producer of this program, Ben Dooley. And Ben tweeted about what he was experiencing in Vancouver trying to get from point A to point B, something that a lot of us take for granted. And Ben wrote, getting a cab in Vancouver has to be one of the most frustrating experiences ever, especially for a person with a disabled person. I would love to be able to use Uber and Lyft. He goes on to say, it's especially frustrating when the only reason you need a cab is because of an out-of-service elevator. And then goes on to say, this is actually insane. I've been waiting 45 minutes for a cab and they just cancelled on me for no apparent reason. Well, Ben is joining us now to talk more about what happened. Hey, Ben, thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. So walk us through exactly what happened to you last night in Vancouver. So I was at uh, BC Place last night taking in uh, another Vancouver Whitecaps game. And I, uh, at the, after the game, I got outside and I booked a cab uh, through Yellow Cab's uh, app at about 9.15 and I sat and I waited and I waited and at about 10 o'clock I got a notification on my phone that uh, the cab had been cancelled and so I called Yellow Cab just to, to see what's up and uh, they told me that they would call dispatch to see uh, why my cab had been cancelled and I waited for a few more minutes and then I ran into one of our colleagues uh, who was working on the White Caps broadcast on AM 730. And uh, he uh, went with me back to uh, Granville Station. Uh, and then I proceeded on my way home. So how much time did that add to well, the time it should have taken you to get home? So I probably would have gotten home at about 10 o'clock, which is, you know, when I was still at BC Place, and I didn't end up getting home until about 11.30 last night. So about an hour and a half. All right. So there's a, a lot of things going on here because you also tweeted out that the only reason you were trying to get a cab was because of a broken elevator. So what was happening with that? Yeah, so what's happening is that uh, there's some construction going on at uh, the stadium Chinatown uh, station and so the elevator there is out of service for four months and so uh, I'm not able to use that elevator until uh, probably October or November. And we have reached out, uh, we'll get to Rideshare in a moment, we reached out to TransLink to ask about this because it's not the first time you've talked about this on the radio station, it's not the first time you've gotten to a place and been confronted by a broken elevator. Different, I guess, when there's two, when there's double elevators, I, I know you can maneuver your way around that, but what was the response from TransLink about this particular case? Uh, so in this uh, particular case, what they're saying is that they strive to ensure that there are other options, but that it's not always uh, possible because of the work that's going on, uh, and that they take proactive steps to 
to notify uh, customers, and uh, they say they give a minimum of three days' notice for any uh, planned outages, and uh, customers that uh, need to access the elevator to get to a platform uh, can uh, call a station attendant, and they will arrange for a taxi, and you'll be reimbursed. And then uh, somebody like me who needed to access the elevator to get down to street level, uh, they're told to take the, the train to the next station and either take a bus or uh, contact the station attendant. Would that have worked for you? Uh, in this case, no, it wouldn't have because uh, the the option that I have would have been to uh, take a bus at Main Street to Science World, and uh, and that would take you to BC Place. But then once you get to BC Place, uh, there are a bunch of stairs which uh, cause a, a huge a huge problem for me on on that side of BC Place. So I'd have to you know wheel around to the other side of the stadium. Uh, to to come in via the the Beatty Street uh, entrance. All right. So so just to, to clarify, TransLink did get back to us, and we all know obviously elevators need to be serviced, things need to happen, and stations uh, they need to shut them down and do that. So at least they did clarify, even though I think TransLink also got what you were saying that in that case a taxi wouldn't have helped or going to the next station and busing wasn't really a a viable solution let's talk about rideshare because you also tweeted about the fact you would love to be able to use uber and lyft but that's not an option yeah you know i hear uh you know so much about how great uber and lyft is and how convenient it is. And it just sounds like this amazing service to me. But it's totally inaccessible. Because in Vancouver, we don't currently have uh, wheelchair accessible vehicles uh, on Uber and Lyft. Which is not something I think a lot of people uh, realize until they're in a situation where they need a wheelchair accessible vehicle. So I am unable to l- use uh, Uber and Lyft in Vancouver, but I I am aware that, you know, this service does exist in other markets. It just hasn't made its way to Vancouver yet. All right. We've reached out to both Uber and Lyft asking them about that. Like you said, that they do have the accessible service in some markets, just asking them if they have any plans to bring it to Vancouver or Metro Vancouver. So we're still waiting to hear back from them. I do want to talk to you about what happened with the cab company, because you were in contact with the cab company today to talk about this. The fact that you you waited 45 minutes for the cab, the trip was then canceled. So what was the resolution there? Yeah, so I called the the cab uh, company this morning, and and originally, you know, I didn't tell them that I was calling about my own situation. But but in the the process of the call, uh, they figured out that I was I was talking about uh, myself, and so they were they were apologetic about uh, you know the the whole situation. They they agree that it's ridiculous that I was waiting uh, for 45 minutes and then had a cab cancel on me. Uh, and they, they couldn't explain to me why, you know, the, the ride was canceled. Um, but they did offer me, you know, that they would 
they would make me a, a priority customer. And so they advised that, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't book through the app, which is what I did. You should call uh, the, the dispatcher and that gets you talking to a, a human being who will, you know, work to get you a ride. And that's the, the best option. So if you're somebody that needs um, an accessible cab, the the basic, what you've learned from that is, and I think this might be news to people as well, you're, you have a much better chance of getting that cab and making sure you get that ride if you call. Yeah, yeah, that was what, what uh, you know, the advice was, you know, they, they said that they are limited with the number of accessible cabs that they have and that they're working to improve that. And the best thing to do is to call because then you're talking to, you know, somebody who's real instead of just relying on somebody to check an app or however the the software works there. What are your thoughts now that uh, this happened to you again? You dealt with this. Do you think it was, did it, was the resolution, uh, was it what you were hoping for? Does it leave you, uh, what are your thoughts now that, that you've gone through this again? I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with Yellow Cab's response. I think that, you know, they, I, I, I'm less happy with them. I think that, you know, there are still questions to be answered though, because I, I don't think, you know, everybody would, would do what I did and, you know, call Yellow Cab. Uh, and there, there are probably, uh, tons of people that this happens to that we just don't hear about because they don't, uh, you know, have the profile that, that I do working in media. You know, I was talking to a woman that I'm friends with, uh, and she said a similar thing happened to her just last week uh, where she had booked a cab and they canceled on her and uh, nothing was ever you know, we didn't hear anything about that, that sort of thing. So I, I worry about the people that, you know, we don't hear about because I, I am almost 100% positive that I'm not the only person. All right. Well, Ben, thanks so much for keeping this in the news and for raising more awareness about this. So we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Well, a plea has been put out by the RCMP in Coquitlam asking the public to help with any information they might have that could help reunite a stolen dog with that dog's owner. It has to do with a theft that took place on August 26th. And Eric Mills joins me now. It was his father's car that was stolen with the dog inside. Eric, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much for having me on today. Well, we wanted to keep the, keep pressure out there and to keep this story in the news in case there are people who have seen things. So has there been any update or any change? Uh, not as of right now. The, the only sighting that we really have to go off of right now was a few days ago. Um, someone thought they saw her in Surrey, South Surrey um, between 152nd and 154th on 20th Ave. Um, so that's where we have been concerning our kind of search efforts from a family standpoint with other people going out and looking. We did have some people take a photo of a dog last night up in Revelstoke, um, which didn't turn out to be her, but it was really good to see and hear that other people are really keeping an eye out and really looking out for her. 
Oh, well, I think anybody, especially if you have a dog in your family, but even if you don't, hearing about this, it's just sickening to think of that happening. I mean, a car you can replace, the things you can replace, but not a dog, which is part of your family. Yeah, this this dog has been special to our family. We've owned her since she was a puppy. We got her from the SPCA out in um, Maple Ridge area when she was very young. And so we've had her for almost 11 years. And it's really my, my dad's buddy. She she loves him. She goes everywhere. Like, if he wants to go for a drive, she wants to be there. Um, he has now has come down with Parkinson's disease. And... Uh, Really, she just makes sure that he's good. Like, if he falls down, she won't leave his side until he's, like, better. And he's really Mm. kind of hopeless, not hopeless. He's really missing her right now. Oh, for sure. Uh, When you say that there was a possible sighting, again, 152nd or 154th at 20th Avenue in Surrey, was it, is it, it, Kaylee is the dog's name, correct? It's it's Callie, Callie, yeah. Yeah, someone thought they saw her while they were driving. Uh, they didn't have time to snap a photo or turn around or stop. They reported it to us. This was Saturday evening. Um, and so we've been kind of looking in that area. The uh, family friends have been going out into that area with their other dogs that do know Callie to try and see if she's there. It is hard, though, uh, because it is a very, there's a lot of parks there. There's a lot of spots that she could hide and just trying to see if it's actually her is the hard part. But we really appreciate everybody keeping their, their eyes out and open for her as she is pretty special to us. So. Mm-hmm. Have RCMP officers or given you any idea if, do we know at this point if whoever did this stole the vehicle, maybe not even knowing that Callie was in the vehicle, or do they think that this person targeted the vehicle and wanted to steal Callie? We haven't heard anything from the RCMP on that. I don't think that they personally knew there was a dog in the back seat. I think they went for the car um, alone. And we're kind of probably shocked when a dog started to bark at them in the back seat. Uh, she's quite a nice dog, so she, unfortunately she wouldn't bite them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she probably barked up a storm to a point where they just decided to get her out of the vehicle. And hopefully they did it in a, a safe manner. But if they have them, her, we love her back. So. Right. So, and so in case people haven't heard this, so this was August 26th. It was between 12.30 and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was the Burquitlam Plaza at 552 Clark Road in Coquitlam. A white Subaru Forester stolen. And again, 11-year-old Husky Cross Cali was in the back seat. Have there been any sightings of the vehicle or have you heard about if there's been any update there? There's, there's been no update there um, on the vehicle yet. So we're just kind of waiting, hoping, searching, doing as much as we can do to try to locate Cali. I'm guessing you've, you've tried this or, or thought about this because it was from a, a plaza that the vehicle was stolen. Is there any chance of surveillance video or footage that maybe caught the thief on tape? We, we've asked. Um, I haven't heard anything back from the RCMP. My family hasn't heard anything back. Yeah, either on that. And then we also tried to contact Subaru and get see if 
they had any way of activating any Starlink system that was in the car, and that also came to uh, a dead end. Mm. So, well, yeah. yeah. That's, it's just got to be, like you said, this, this was a dog that uh, was so special to your father. What would you say to the person if by some chance the person is listening right now or uh, to, to whoever or where, if somebody still has Callie, what would you say to them? If, if they have Callie, please just leave her in a safe spot like the SPCA. We, we don't care who you are, um, what's happened. We would just really like her back leave her in a safe spot, even like a mall tied up where people will recognize her so that we can get her back home safe and let her enjoy her time with us. Yeah. Was it something to, I mean, people tend to, to jump to conclusions. Uh, I know the temperature wasn't super, super hot that day. So it's probably not out of the ordinary to leave Callie in the vehicle for a few minutes. No, it was, quite a, a cool day and all my dad did he was just in the store for he thinks like not even five maybe five minutes in the end um and so it was quite common because she likes to go with him everywhere he goes so if he's going on like a short little errand she wants to be in the car with him so she can accompany him and she just always wants to be with him so Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, so hoping for people uh, to to come forward. I know RCMP are still asking if somebody saw something in that parking lot. Maybe they didn't think of it at the time that it was important, but to please contact RCMP. Uh, do you think that the sighting in Surrey was credible or you will spend some more time following up on that? Yeah, right, right now it's the one and only lead we have on her. And it's been a, it's been a good lead, in my opinion. Really, we're not going to turn down any any leads that we get we just want to take any opportunity that might arise that someone thinks they saw her we'll we'll take the time and search it and put the effort in as a family here all right well i hope that you get more information or somebody's memory is jogged and thinks of something or that whoever it is that still has callie if they still have your dog does the right thing drops her off my my guess is and i think you kind of touched on this we're dealing with a no questions asked thing just get callie to a safe place and and get callie returned to you yeah like even if you know someone who knows something just have them do the right thing, have her get back to her home. We don't care about why you did it, what you did, just as long as we can have our dog back safe and sound. Um, yeah, and i just like to thank everybody that has been sharing this story, looking, taking their time and keeping an eye out for her and doing the small little things that have helped bring this, help us find her really, hopefully we do. All right. Uh, I hope so, too. Let's uh, leave it there for today. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on. We are taking a look at a wildfire, one of the several wildfires still burning in B.C. This one is near Penticton, and crews are saying that it ballooned overnight. The Skaha Creek wildfire cresting the ridge in that area and creeping down some of the mountainside. It was first discovered discovered on August 28th, just a couple of days ago, and some of the residents there said it looked kind of like a volcano when they saw the orange flames on that mountainside. Well, let's bring in John Vasilaki, the mayor of Penticton. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you, Jill. Glad to be with you. How are things going as far as this wildfire and where it's burning? Well, it doesn't look like a volcano any longer. The only thing you can see now is uh, some smoke uh, on the side of the hill as it started coming down. Like you said, late uh, last night, it really mushroomed. Um, and it did look like a volcano was coming down the hillside. Hmm. Were there? I know as far as evacuation orders or alerts, it didn't seem to be that there were any, although I think some people were a bit on edge. Were there any issues or alerts or, or evacuations in place? Uh, not by the city of Penticton. That's not up to the city. It's up to uh, the Penticton Indian Band and the wildfire, BC Wildfire um, uh, people to to make those decisions, not not the city of Penticton, but we haven't put anything out. All right. How close is it burning to actual homes or structures? Um, it's still at a fair distance. Uh, like I said, there are no longer any flames that can be seen. It's just smoke. So it's just smoldering here and there um, on the hillside. Um, I don't see any... Uh, emergencies or uh, anything that the folks up in that direction have to worry about. It's still quite a distance from uh, the Penticton Indian Band Village and um, some of the other uh, residential areas there. All right. What are your thoughts on on the fact that here we are dealing with another wildfire and this particular fire, uh, the wildfire service saying uh, it grew to about 212 hectares and is human caused? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know what to tell you. People have to be a heck of a lot more um, cautious than they what they are at the present time, especially with the way things are uh, in the interior of British Columbia. And because of the heat that we had um, in, uh, in our area, especially where we used to be in, in, in the high 30s and early uh, 40s um, centigrade, Uh, Those are dangerous situations, and people just have to learn to be a lot more careful than than they are at the present time. And they have to take into consideration not only of themselves, but the other people that they they are putting in danger when they're acting recklessly. How is it there as far as, like you said, you can't see the flames nearly as bad as they were at that point. How is the air quality or smoke? Uh, we're lucky, and fortunately, the wind is blowing uh, southwest, so none of that smoke is coming within the city. Uh, it stay, it's staying up in the hill there. Uh, it's trapped, uh, stranded between two hills uh, because there's no wind, so there it doesn't blow it away. Uh, but we're, air quality in Penticton is uh, above, uh, you know, above what it was, a lot better than it was a couple of weeks ago where we couldn't see across the lake. And that's got to take a toll or be very stressful for both you uh, and for the residents in that area. Absolutely. Uh, We were very concerned with the health of the people because, as you know, um, uh, not the majority of our population, but a good number of our population are seniors. Um, And you know how bad quality or air quality uh, can affect uh, senior po- our senior population. So, but we were fortunate; we didn't have any serious uh, conditions happening here, and no, no. As far as I know, no one was hurt by the smoke or um, damaged their health in, in any in any way. 
Well, that is that is good news for sure. How has this been as far as a wildfire se- season in that area? I know we often deal with wildfires every summer, but it does seem like this one has been particularly challenging. Well, it was the heat that, that caused most of the problems this year. Uh, this was an exceptional warm uh, summer, but we haven't had a warm summer like this for for many, many years. And when that happens, and uh, as well as the the and as well as the moisture in here, yeah, oh, man, I couldn't come up with the word humidity. Uh, and the humidity is high at the present time. That sort of slows it down. Where uh, during the uh, the summer months, uh, the two months that the, the fire situation was bad, the humidity was very low, so um, uh, the weather didn't help much. And and the winds also um, had a lot to do with the way that the uh, the fires were progressing uh, up and down the mountains in the interior of BC. Right. Yeah, no, don't worry about not finding the word. I do that all the time. And it's been uh, it's been a very busy, busy season for wildfires. Um, How is the impact? Obviously, the the most important thing is keeping residents safe and making sure uh, people uh, are safe in where they are. But how has the impact been or or what are you seeing as far as tourism and and what that what's happening with that? We were very fortunate uh, this summer. The tourists that were here, they stayed um, they weren't they weren't frightened away. They stayed, uh, and that really helped uh, the economy of the South Okanagan, um, as well as other uh, parts of the Okanagan Valley, like Kelowna, Vernon, and so on. Uh, they they stuck around, and they uh, they really helped the um, the economy uh, of our municipalities and our smaller towns uh, in our area. Well, because you know because of COVID. A lot of them were on the brink of shutting their doors forever. Uh, so by the uh, uh, tourists uh, staying around and not being afraid and they, to leave, um, that helped a lot. The economy really held on, and uh, the, the chances are much, much better that a lot of those uh, businesses that we thought might close their doors um, are still open, and they continue to do much better every day. And what are your thoughts then moving into the fall when we get back to kids back in school, things uh, getting back uh, hopefully to some, some kind of normal, but also dealing with the COVID-19 numbers that we're seeing? Yeah, well, it's unfortunate that the interior has got the worst part of it now. Um, and I just don't understand why people don't follow the health regulations and get vaccinated and uh, keeping the social distancing and all of those things that uh, Dr. Henry is putting forward. It it just blows me away why people just don't want to follow it and they want to do their own thing uh, without considering the health of the rest of the population uh, in our area and throughout British Columbia. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the other the other thing that um, we have uh, to deal with was that September and October uh, are the shoulder um, months of, of the year, and we had so many festivals that were going to take place in those two months, especially the month of September. And because of uh, wearing masks and uh, distancing again and, and, and all, all those things, they all had to be canceled. That would have brought, brought 
tens of millions of dollars into the South Okanagan, and unfortunately now all that is lost. Um, so we have to figure out ways of trying to uh, bring uh, or get the economy uh, boosted up uh, a little bit better now that those festivals have gone away on t- for another year. So that's, that's the unfortunate part of what's happening at the present time. All right. Well, we will touch base with you again on this soon, I'm sure. For now, though, we'll leave it there. Mayor of Asalaki, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me.